I saw an online course that Richard Schwartz has about IFS on this therapist.com website. And it's a whole like X part course and you get even some bullshit certifications. And real therapists are going through that course to learn IFS. And of course I buy it, right? I'm saying, hey, I want to learn more about this model. I'll buy it. I'll check it out. And then I watch the first module. It's kind of interesting and cool. And in my mind, I make, I set a little goal for myself that in the next two weeks, I'm going to go through the course. And then I decided, because I felt a little conflicted to do the one meditation that I really particularly liked in one of his books, greater than the sum of your parts. And it's a 10 minute, 15 minute meditation. I went through it and that experience was so useful and helpful. It was the whole conflict about home and where should my home be in the future that an idea popped up or an insight bubbled up in me that went, what if you just do that meditation every day and instead of reading more about IFS and doing more courses and watching it more in action, which is all intellectual, very stimulating and interesting to me. Why don't you just practice more? Like just practice every day a little bit and study a little less. And that's what I did almost every day. I would do one of these meditations that are on there for the past two weeks. And instantly I thought, this is how you get really good at things. You actually mm -hmm. do them every day. And, and it's so unsophisticated compared to, there's another seven books, random people have written about, about IFS that I've all downloaded that I could be reading. And there's a course from the creator that's on this very reputable, I can't speak, therapeutic or psychotherapist website that I could be going through and studying and practicing. But instead of doing all that studying, I just work with a model every day. How about that? How I use the model every day and really work with it within me. And it's been very rewarding. Like I've definitely made significant progress and it's really been helping me and feeling better and understanding better. It's been also more fun, honestly, like it boils down to, it's been actual fun to put away all the theory of which I know enough already mm -hmm. and to just do practice, just do it, just doing the work every day, not theorizing about it. Also, I stopped talking about it as much with other people. And this is difficult for me, but oftentimes now I just go straight to the, this is a cool model. Here's my two sentence summary and here are two books I'll text you that are really great books to start with. If you're interested, get those books, listen to the audiobooks, read the books. The books are good. Instead of, I could easily give an eight hour talk about this now. And so speaking less about it with others, recommending it less, studying less, learning less details and theory and just doing it more, like actually doing the thing. And with that started also, I mean, my, my writing in the last two weeks has picked up significantly. And so as I've been writing more, I also started now daily doing a little kind of family council check-in session. And again, a little what check-in session, an inner family check-in session where basically I open okay. a, a, I have a, a, a note document. And write down the date, you know, Sunday, November 14th. And then sometimes it's clear to me what is going on right now. Like, you know, I, it could be who is, who is currently driving the wheel? Like who's currently embodied in me? It could be this morning. I'll give you an example. I wake up and 
the second I wake up, I can tell I'm I'm like, I have nervous energy. I want to get up as quickly as possible. I want to go grab coffee. I want to do things. I have this like, go, 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 go energy. And I try to calm it down a little bit and go, yeah, we're going to go, go, go. But relax. It's Sunday. Like it's 8 a.m. <laughs> we don't have to run. Like we could just go slowly. But that feeling persisted. I walked slowly, but the feeling in me was walking fast. Mm. Like it, it was, he uh, didn't slow down because of me. Yeah. And I drank my coffee, I did some talking, and I come back and I sit down to do my inner family council session, just opening the notebook. And I wrote Sunday, November 14th, and I asked, what is that, what do you want us to know? What's that nervous feeling about, right? Who is that nervous feeling? What does he want to tell us? Like, it's clear that it wants to tell me something. What is it? Because I, I'm not quite getting it. Like, I'm getting that we want to do things, but I don't quite get why it is so urgent right now. And then what came out was that's just for, for simplicity's sake, let's just say what came out was the part in me that wanted to work and prepare for the week. And I'd actually counseled with that part on Friday because on Friday at 2 p.m., I'd had a pretty good productive first part of my day and I felt like not working for the rest of the day. I felt like not doing all my goals, running, swimming, reading. I just felt like chilling. I'm just going slow for the rest of Friday. I sat down and I wrote, is it okay for the part of me that wants to kick ass and work if we just chill this weekend? And that part responded and said, no, it's not okay. It's totally okay if we chill Friday and Saturday, but it's not okay to chill Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then start Monday behind on the week and having to catch up. It's just going to be so stressful. That is not okay. I'm going to leave you alone and let all of us chill Friday and Saturday, but on Sunday, we need to get these three things done. And then I wrote, all right, that's the deal. That's what we're going to do. On Sunday morning, when I sat down to write about, I'd forgotten about the nervous part. And to be honest, when I had coffee on Sunday, I was contemplating the back of my mind, fuck it. It's such a beautiful day. It's sunny. You only live once. Let's just chill today. Why all these girls? This part isn't real anyway. So <laughs> the agreement is not binding. I, I wasn't, I wasn't actually thinking about that yet. I was yeah, even, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, but I was okay. I was including into this any sort of ambition for the day, even the ones that are fun and private. Like, you know, I yeah. always have too many plans. Like, I'm like, I'm going to write for two hours. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go walk around the lake. I'm going to, yeah. there's a lot of fucking things to do. And so I, uh, while I was drinking coffee and I was looking outside, it's beautiful and sunny day. I was thinking, can I just like be today and just, I do what I do, but I don't have to do 13 things. And so I had that kind of a vibe, that temptation in my mind. So as I sit down to write and ask, where's that nervousness coming from? That part comes up and says, well, we agreed we would work today. Please, please, please. And this was surprising. I thought that I expected more of an angry critic type voice that's like, motherfucker, get your shit together and do this. But it was more of a, pleading voice mm. that said, please, can you please not break your word with me? Please. On Friday, 
we made an agreement. I held my part. I allowed you, and this is true. I was able to be incredibly relaxed Friday and Saturday. And we've talked about this on the podcast about me never being able to fully relax. Even when I do relaxing things, having some tension in me, that's that part. And that part was saying, I kept my side. Please don't break the, your word. Don't, don't break the agreement. Please don't do this to me. And that was a very different experience than what Uh I expected when I sat down to Uh write. Uh-huh. And I instantly went, oh, yeah, no, I'm not going to break the agreement. Like, yeah. it's done. And it's not even work anymore now. Like, I'm going to do it and I'm going to be grateful to be doing it. Because the truth is that I'm, I had an incredible weekend with very little tension. It was very relaxed and very free. That it was very amazing. freeing. That is dope. And I'm, That's so dope. And I'm, hey, I, it felt, felt like talking to a very good friend and realizing, oh, wow, there's something that is really, really, really important to this person. That's really, really important to me and I can do it. And I wasn't fully realizing this dynamic, but now that I see it, nothing will stop me and I will love it. And I'd be like grateful for doing it. Like I, I want to be, I want to be great to you. And that vulnerability and that almost this, please don't break the word. Like you're going to crush me. If you break the word, we're back to square one where I can never trust you. Like where I always have to push you when you relax. Mm-hmm. I always have to nag you and put, please, we made a deal. I kept mind. Don't do this to me today. I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> you know, yeah. so if I did yeah. thousand pieces, I'm like, okay. And yeah. Yeah. I sat down and I wrote That's down the amazing. plan of like, you know, wh- when I'm going to do what, you know? And it was clear to me, there was no hesitation, no doubt. I know I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to keep my word yeah. now that I've got my head straight. And then I went out to the park and I had a picnic and I had a good friend call post MDMA therapy and talk to me. And through the entire time I was, I was checking in on myself and I was like, wow, I'm so relaxed. I have no inner pressure. That nervousness from the morning is gone. We're just all back to trusting and knowing, Hey, we're going to keep our word right to ourselves. We're going to keep the word. and. It was such a beautiful little experience. This is a delightful thing about practicing IFS is that quite consistently, I mean, it's, there's no silver bullet. It doesn't solve all your problems. It doesn't magically, it, it's not instant. It requires a lot of patience, right? Because it, it requires actually a lot of time to really get to know you yourself, to actually start trusting yourself and all your different parts and have them really trust you, like, which is like you trusting yourself. That takes time and patience and real awareness and presence. But one of the most delightful things about practicing the model for me has been these incredibly surprising moments, these moments that shock me because I, I can feel how true it is what I'm just experiencing, but I would have never been able to think my way to that answer. Mm-hmm. Never. Remember the elliptical session where minor critic after a week of talking and trying to get access to it and that part ignoring me and not wanting to talk to me saying you're such an arrogant asshole. And it was like a shocking, I'm like, out of all the options I could have imagined of what my inner critic that doesn't want to relate to me anymore, what that part would be thinking about me. Arrogant was not on the list of things I even considered. 
And then when he, he explained it to me and was like, you think you know everything better than me. No matter when I whisper into your ear, we should be doing more of this. We should be doing that. Your response is always shut the fuck up. I know. So I know we should be, we should be this. We should be that. I know. I already know this. And this is true. This is my inner dialogue. When I get like this critical nag, I go, I already yeah. know this. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And so that part was like, well, I can I cannot say anything because you already know everything. And all I should do is shut the fuck up. And like having that sensation of that part of me feeling now that I'm like feeling better than it and arrogant to it as if it has nothing to offer. Uh, totally unintuitive to me, but when I was experiencing it, it totally clicked. I was like, oh yeah, that does make sense. It absolutely makes perfect sense. But I would have never been able to think my way to this conclusion. Those are the moments that I find delightful in IFS. Also today, when I sat down and I knew it's probably my critic that's like nagging me is like, go, 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 let's work, let's do things. I didn't expect such a vulnerable message. Like it just was totally not, yeah. not how I was feeling, yeah. not what I was thinking. And yeah. then when it came out, it was so powerful. I was yeah. like, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> okay, buddy, you're right. I'm not going to break my word. Um, that was really, those moments are really special, uh, that I've had with IFS where it's like, wow, this shit is dope and feels very, very, um, beautiful when it happens, when it happens because it feels also very authentic like something is happening through you and bubbles up within you it's not something you have figured out up there analyzed cognitively you know worked your way to that result or that conclusion it's a very different kind of experience i i, I really like it and still yeah it's kind of like a you know like a knight without the armor and the weapon right mm. just coming to you and then you're like come on we, we got it <laughs> please <laughs> please don't do this to me like this huge this part that you would see as this huge like scary you know with the yeah, big uh, sword exactly. and then it comes there and it's like all warm it's like come on man don't again break your word to yeah. me you're like oh shit <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to go back to putting on my armor and my yeah. sword and always going yeah. berserk we yeah. don't we, we're all with this come on we yeah. both <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You said I should be peaceful and I was. Can you please also do your part of the bargain? You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, hey, that's amazing. You know, it's so really nothing, nothing I can say other than you're absolutely right. Thank you for telling me this nicely, you know, but <laughs> part of how you start relating to yourself in more loving ways, in more open ways is as you show up for yourself more often. Like as I do this work more consistently, as I basically show up to feel myself, to hear myself, to sense myself, to allow all the different parts of my mind and my soul to speak up, these parts calm down. These parts get, start trusting. They start connecting, they start relating. And it's not this wild war where everybody's fighting everybody for a little bit of, uh, the, a little time on the throne to make the decisions in that moment. But all of a sudden everybody realizes that, all right, yeah, this is who I am. This is how I feel. These are the different things that are part of me and within me, and they all have 
good intentions, even the ones that do really harmful things at times, they don't just do even this like big bat warrior with a sword that has been tormenting me in the past. Maybe he's been tormenting me because he's tormented by me, you know, <laughs> you know, because he's ignored because he's yeah. alone. You know, it's not just like, uh, this, and, and, and I think in the past, I've, I said this a number of times, I always thought all my weaknesses were enemies that I needed to destroy within me. And then I realized that all my weaknesses are children within me that I need to raise. And that was even before I started learning IFS. And this is a very powerful way of describing IFS because IFS is, has this very beautiful approach and philosophy where there is no part that's bad and needs to be killed or get rid of it. There's only parts that need to be understood better, right? And that need to be helped to do their job or protect the way they've tried in another way, right? To heal the the other things they're trying to protect or whatever it is that's going on. And that's such a beautiful, kind of a very spiritual approach at things because all of a sudden, most other therapeutic approaches, most other philosophies of the mind of like how to fix oneself have a sort of judgmental system of good and bad and we've got to get rid of the bad and we're going to amplify the good and then you're going to be fine. It's like, ah, I really want to like stop being so lazy and like I hate the lazy version of me. And it's like, I want to destroy it. I want to get rid of it. Or even, Cut out the appendix of laziness. Yes. Or even, even the really beautiful you know, mindful meditation, Buddhistic traditions sometimes have this, like the ego, this, the, the ego, the ego is the source of all evil. The ego is everything is bad. And we just have to like get, push the demon of the ego into hell, back into hell. And then there's going to be the rise of the soulful heaven within us. And there's something to it, but it's also again, very black and white. Something mm -hmm. is good. Something is bad. And I love and I find a lot more wisdom within me. Something resonates much stronger as this seems truly more wise is this approach of there is no bad parts. There's no, there's only hurt and traumatized parts. There's only parts that need help, need more attention, need more understanding. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that if you're doing terrible things to other people, it's like all about, like, this also sounds very like new agey, like in the outer world, sometimes I'd be judgmental at this approach and go, yeah, you know, people that kill lots and lots of other people, all they need is we should look at their childhood trauma and then like allow them in the world. I do believe that these people, the people that are tormenting other people, I do believe are tormented, hurt people hurt, but we've got to set some boundaries at some point, you know, and some people just need to be in a box because they're just too hurt. And not easily fixed. We don't have a way to reliably fix them. So, you know, this is the best we can do. Um, within us, um, I find that even like, even parts that are really tormenting us, like when you really look long enough and you listen carefully enough, you find oftentimes a surprising and potentially good reason from their perspective, like from the vantage point of that part in us, this all makes sense. Um, but we just never want to look. I think that's the toughest thing. I think this is really, it doesn't matter what model you use. The 
one of the core issues and challenges is we don't want to look. We don't want to really like look, really get to know, like good, get a good look at ourselves and get it daily, long, patiently, openly, curiously. Just look and go, let me see what I see. That's tough. That's very, very uncomfortable. That, the, the level at which anxiety is peaking at that thought tells you a lot about what is going on in your life, right? If there's a little anxiety, but also some curiosity, you're probably in a pretty good spot in your life. When it's just anxiety and terror, you're probably running also, away from a lot. Yeah. Also how much you're even able to look at oh. yourself, right? I mean, you can, yeah. you can be like sit at your, whatever, on your chair and think about yourself and imagine to look at yourself, right? But then when you're in actual real life, sometimes you might act in ways that you're even not aware of, right? Where the impact you have on somebody else is completely different from what the story you're telling yourself in your mind, but that's the real version, right? And you have the, the, the decorated nice version that fits your own narrative, right? And then even having the awareness to say, wait a second, this is, uh, not, not, uh, not really matching what I am thinking yeah. about myself and then digging in there. And it's, it's something of a, another challenge. It takes a lot of courage to know thyself or to attempt to get to know thyself. It takes a lot of courage. That's really it. It takes a lot of courage because we're all afraid to look. So you have to like walk through the fire and look, right? You have to dare to look. And then when you see a demon, when you see ugliness, when you see weakness, when you see shame, when you see the, these things that terrorize you, can you have the courage to not look away immediately, to keep looking, right? And then even the courage to try to find love for that. And that, that's then very transformative. But, and it's not that complicated, but it's one of the hardest things no. to, to, one of the hardest things for a human being to do once in their life, not like daily, uh, but that's the name of the game, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's something cool that, uh, Gabor Mate said, um, that I heard the other day where he was talking about, uh, the Buddha and some of the Buddha's teachings. And he said, you know. It's very inspiring to read some of the Buddha's teachings or transcriptions of his teachings and sayings, because these are like many thousand years old, but he seemed to have been one of the best first, like psychologists to have existed, like really understanding the human psyche so powerfully in ways that we're still catching up with and that we're still like, we're discovering signs that prove the thing that he said, <laughs> just, you know, back then. Um, but he said, but Gabriel Mata said, like, there's this one quote where the Buddha said, you know, something along the lines of whatever your mind creates, it project, like the mind first creates, and then it projects and creates the outer world, like the inner world, uh, whatever the mind thinks, basically it creates in the outer world. And Gabo Mata was saying that's absolutely true. But what is also true is that first the outer world is creating your mind and then your mind is creating the outer world. So he was referring to the first you know, two years, the, like the, the, from birth in the wound, growing as a baby, being born in the first two years, the environmental influences, the 
you know, anxiety people will have, the anger, the way they will relate to you, the attachment relationships you're going to have with mother and father and all that, that's going to drastically alter your mind development, your brain development, you know, your inner body chemistry. And then that kind of a mind that has been developed in those early years, that then creates the kind of thoughts that sees a certain world and acts in a certain way and then makes that world real. So it's sort of a, a circle and not just that we're all born with these fresh, pristine, new minds. And then it's just about how well do you use it to create a world that's really fresh and pristine and happy. But in the beginning, that mind is being coded by our environment. And then it's running scripts, <laughs> creating, creating outputs. There's something to that for sure. Um, that's very, very true. Yeah, I had, I had recently like a moment where I'm like, um, someone looked at me and said, you, you look really upset like today. I'm like, I'm not upset. Right. And, and then I'm like late, you know, type day goes on. And then later again, you're like, yeah, today are you okay? You look upset. And I'm like, I'm not, no, I'm not upset. And I'm like, I'm, then I'm waiting, slowing down. Wait, wait a sec. If I would be upset about something today. What would I be excited about? What would that be? Right? And then I'm like, okay, okay. And then I realized, okay, there was something that actually like, uh, was, was getting to me and I was kind of doing the, oh, it's not a big deal thing. Right. And, uh, suddenly, oh, okay, I paid more attention to that. I'm like, okay, I want to address that. I find that, Just, um, one of the things, <clears throat> the people in our lives especially our children, our intimate partners, our parents, siblings, our really close friends, people that are very close to us so they can, they see us and feel us more closely. They really are the most important mirrors of our lives. And the way we feel and act around them is really who we are. Everything we do when we're alone and everything we do when we're with like nice new people at a party or like whatever setting is like kind of very gentle and far away from, you know, really hitting your, your heart Real, and soul. Yeah. That's not who we really are. That's who we are when we can control all our shit and hide all our shit. And we obviously mm -hmm. oftentimes like that version well. And then we're like, I never get upset. I never scream. You make me go crazy. I, it's your fault. You're driving me nuts. I'm never screaming with you. I'm always screaming when we're arguing. It's not that you're never like that, that's that worst version of you. That's you. That is you when you can't hold back. That is you when all the masks are off. You don't like that version of you, but it's not necessarily the other person's fault. The other person is only forcing you to unmask. It's yeah. not making. It's not painting your face. That's what your face looks like, right? It's when you're with strangers, with other people, where you can wear comfortably a mask you find attractive and they will pretend it's real that you go, why? This is how I really want to feel, right? I don't want to feel like that. But the feeling like that, let's take the screaming or being really angry. Of course, somebody can make you upset. And of course, you can sit alone and not be upset. But oftentimes... That upsetness, that anger was in you before the argument. That ex the material was in you. There was a bomb in you. And then maybe they are the, the, the spark. But if you spark a stone, nothing will happen. 
Like, no matter how many sparks you throw at a stone, it's not going to explode. But if you spark some fucking TNT, it's going to be a mess. And what was that TNT in you? Now, you don't feel it when you're around people that are very watery and nice, you know, and airy. But when you are with that person that can't spark you because they are very close to your heart and you explode, you think they threw a bomb at you, but they really often didn't. The bomb was within you. It was not them, right? They were just, they were just provided that little spark. They just show you that really ugly mirror that's actually the only mirror that's not distorted. Right? Any fucking person that sees you outside looks at you with a strong distortion. They just see your clothing and they make up some kind of a feeling of who you are and what you are and what you feel like. People that know you for a little bit or know you at work, they make up some very distorted image of like, this is professional Ramin. And they project that into your entire life and they're, oh, this is how he is always and how he feels and what kind of a life he lives. All these people are totally wrong. And how could they be right? Because they know so little of you. They get such a little look at it. But, you know, your partner, your child, your best friends, they have a very different picture of you. They have more information. Their mirror, when they look at you, is much less distorted. Maybe it is, but much less so. And so, um, yeah, the people in our lives, even when they say things like, hi, you seem, is something wrong with you? And, and we go, no. There is real wisdom in pausing and asking, Huh, mm -hmm. I wonder what made that person say that. Yeah. Let yeah. me go inside and ask myself, am I really okay right now? Especially if it's somebody that's close to you, they're probably more right than yourself, for sure. Mm -hmm. Right? They see it written on your face while you're so busy and dizzy in your mind. You don't see yeah. your face yeah. and you yeah, don't feel exactly. your feelings. So you just yeah. go, no, I walked only okay. I'm thinking about this and this uh -huh. is no problem. Uh -huh. Like, huh, but I do feel weird around you right now. Uh, how come? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And especially somebody who knows you really intimately. It really, they, like, this is part of um, the beauty of being alive in a world and sharing it with other humans is that it's impossible to actually know ourselves and experience ourselves without other people. It would be possible to get a honest full look of who we are without the world, right? And so the people in our lives, they're not just some external force. They're also the only vehicle we have to really look at us from the outside to get a good look of ourselves. You cannot heal what you cannot see. Like you cannot fix something if you can't see it. You cannot, without light, you can't really orient and know and feel and grasp and move. And that light, the light to our inner world are the people in our lives. Like they are the ones that amplify and shine lights on us. Uh, it's not some kind of meditation. It's not some kind of book. These things, which are all practice, help us to accept the light that's shine on us, to be open to those mirrors and what we see. That, but even with all the meditation in the universe, if you didn't have people, if you were just completely alone in the, in the woods, your entire life, it'd be very hard to have any kind of understanding who you are. You would have nobody to relate to, um, and place yourself in and have any context around. So, um, the people in our lives are really, really a powerful part of our inner work. 
one of the most powerful parts, right? And this is something I really like. I picked up by Richard uh, Schwartz. He said it once and it kind of stayed with me. And now I see it in so many other areas of life as well. But, and actually Sophia also said this, but in a very different way at a very different time. <clears throat> when Richard Schwartz works with somebody and does like an, a little IFS session, let's say with you, I heard him do an IFS session with Tim Ferriss, right, on his podcast. And I heard him now, just a couple of days ago, do one with Aubrey Marcus on his uh, podcast. I actually okay. found the Aubrey Marcus uh, session very interesting just to really see how Richard Schwartz approaches it and what questions he's asking. I find it enlightening. I, I thought it was a very, very cool 30 minutes of seeing him do therapy. And Aubrey Marcus seemed much more open to me. He went much further than Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss was very kind of fucked, very in his own mind and very controlled. So it was not as fruitful in my listening experience, but Aubrey Marcus was more open. And so they could do more. And I thought it was interesting to see some of the ways that he double checked on something or he phrased the question I found masterful. I, I thought, oh yeah, you can tell that somebody who's done this and worked so much with people. He just, it's a really nice way, very calm way of knowing what to, how to phrase a question, how to ask something. I enjoyed it. But anyways, both times I heard Richard Schwartz say to these people that he did IFS with on their podcast, but thank you, by the way, for doing this work. You're not just doing it for yourself. You're also doing it for me and everybody else who's listening. Like when we do this inner work, we're not just doing yep. it for ourselves. We're doing it for the world too. Yeah. Right. As we heal, we become more healing to others. We become less injuring to other people. And also as we then share our healing and our experience, everything I say on this podcast, every in part of inner work that I've done, I mean, most intimately, you've been affected by this. All the work I've done, I've done for me and you to some degree, right? Because you're mm -hmm. hearing it all and you yeah, just I'm are affected by it. Yeah. And um, there's something beautiful about their way of relating to inner work because inner work oftentimes feels so personal. It's like, I'm just trying to make myself better. It feels also, it's very self-centered, right? You're just very much with, what can I do to change myself, to better myself? Why do I not feel this way? Why do I feel this, that way? It's very like me, 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 me. But if you flip that coin and you understand that everything I heal and improve within me, I do for humanity. I do for my family. I do for my children. It's, it's the, it's that quote, like everybody wants to change the world, but nobody wants to change themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is the exact. I want to change myself. Yeah. And yeah. it's good to remember that as I am changing myself, I am changing the world. Like I'm doing this work for me, but this work is being done for others, like in parallel. Right? As I yeah. do this work yeah. for me, I also help others. Yeah. I, so I totally get it. I also think it's funny because like, I remember uh, a while back we were talking about like the people were like vibrating and oh, they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. raising their vibrational yes, energy to save yes. the world. And now we're like, we're doing it all work. <laughs> but it's true. It's it is true. true right? Now, the one thing yeah, we're I not saying is that there's yeah. going to be a tipping point where we've done so much inner yeah. work healing that the whole universe becomes like the whole world becomes a heaven. But yeah. Yeah. besides that, yeah, I think also I was talking to somebody the other day and 
you know, some of the, a lot of our history is family history and it's not just our family's history is there. Like it's the, the, you know, your parents, 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 where something started, some problem started, some type of trauma happened. And then it was expressed in the way that they lived. And then it was internalized. And when, when the next generation was born, it was expressed the same way. And then it was internalized with the new generation that grows up. And so it goes passed down from passed generation on, to generation. Shaped, uh, yeah. yes. shaped the personalities and, and the characters. Some of these burdens are very, very deep because we felt them so strongly. And there were such universal loss because they have been, been handed down by 20 generations. It's like that one, you know, painting in the room that's been 10 generation old. You'll have a different feeling for it. You can tell everybody's acting differently. This is a very special painting than all the other paintings that are hanging around. Like you can tell this is a, and in similar ways as children, we pick up that this is a special kind of thing that's very, very special to our family because it's been handed down for so many generations. Realizing that when you, like they often say, like, stop the cycle or something, right? Like you heal that trauma, that generational trauma, and then it stops. You don't give, you won't give it to your children the way that your parents gave it to you. When you do that, I mean, you should, it only can do that selfishly. So it stops for you. <coughs> but when you do it, a really powerful and beautiful thought is that it's not just not going to be handed down to your particular children but not their children and then their children. It could be hundreds and hundreds of people, tens and tens of generations of a pain that stopped because you did the work, right? Just like when you create trauma, it's not just your pain and your children's pain. It could be pain for, you know, hundreds of years, generations over generations of, of people in your bloodline that are carrying that burden and that pain because they're being born and raised with it. And when you stop it, it stops for, it could stop for not just one person or one little family could stop for many, 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 many families afterwards, um, which is a beautiful thought. Again, like putting our own life in the context of something greater than just us, I think, you know, it adds something to, I think the, the beauty of the experience or the potent, the, you should be doing it for the 10th generation. You have to do it for yourself in this very life, but it's beautiful to consider that this little thing that you cleared or cleaned or this thing that was very personal to you, that you worked on and healed will not just affect you, right? will affect lots of humans. And it's impossible to say to what degree this will influence you know, the world in smaller, big ways. There's something poetic and beautiful about that.